Welcome to I Am My Sister's Keeper and She Is Mine, a podcast where two sisters who are not mental health professionals talk about mental illness from our perspectives. Just two sisters living with mental illness and loving each other through. Welcome, welcome. We're finally here to talk about borderline personality disorder. And while we generally like to fly by the seat of our pants, we did want to share some facts with you before we get into our discussion. So according to NAMI, which is the National Alliance of Mental Health, it is estimated that 1.4% of the U.S. population lives with borderline personality disorder. Interestingly, it's often assumed that this personality disorder plagues mostly women at a rate of three to one. However, further studies have concluded that it is more likely that BPD affects women and men equally. It's just that the symptoms in men are often misdiagnosed as PTSD and or depression. The DSM-5 categorizes BPD as one of four cluster B personality disorders. It's generally described as the hypersensitivity to rejection, resulting in instability in interpersonal relationships. The diagnostic criteria for borderline personality disorder, according to the DSM-5, is a pervasive pattern of instability of interpersonal relationships, of self-image, as well as marked impulsivity, beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts, as indicated by five or more of the following. One, frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment. Two, a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by alternating between extremes of idealization and devaluation. Three, identity disturbance, markedly and persistently unstable self-image or sense of self. Four, impulsivity in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging, for example, spending, substance abuse, reckless driving, sex, binge eating, etc. Five, Effective instability caused by a marked reactivity of mood, for example, intense episodic dysphoria, anxiety, or irritability, usually lasting a few hours and rarely more than a few days, suicidal or self-mutilating behavior. Six, chronic feelings of emptiness. Seven, inappropriate intense anger or difficulty controlling anger, for example, frequent displays of temper, constant anger, recurrent physical fights. Eight, transient paranoid ideation or severe disassociative symptoms. It's important to note here that you should never self-diagnose. There's no single test to diagnose BPD and many factors aside from the above list are considered. The only way to properly be diagnosed is with a licensed mental health professional. The complications of borderline personality disorder include engaging in risky behavior, drug abuse, not completing your education, job loss, getting in trouble with the law, problems with relationships, suicide attempts. According to an article by Chapman, Jamil, and Fleischer, which we'll include a link to in the show notes, BPD is another disorder that has a high, co- high comorbidity rates. For example, there is an 80 to 96% chance of mood disorders, 88% chance of anxiety disorder, 64% substance abuse disorders, 53% eating disorders, 10 to 30% ADHD, 15% bipolar disorder, 10% somatoform disorders, high health anxiety, 
Physical comorbidities include hypertension, hepatic disease, cardiovascular disease, gastrointestinal disease, arthritis, and newer studies are also showing that women with BPD have higher rates of polycystic ovarian syndrome. Go figure. There is no medication to treat borderline personality disorder. Treatment relies on psychotherapy. So with all that said, let's talk about our experiences with borderline personality disorder. Now, Ran, you were diagnosed for the first time after your first suicide attempt. Is that right? Yes, it was around the time of my first suicide attempt that I was diagnosed with BPD. And it really made sense because the way that I reacted towards really anything was with a lot of anger. I would go overboard after breakups. Right. Um, Just anything would set me off. And so it was a relationship issue, if you will, that was the catalyst for the suicide attempt. Is that right? Always. Yeah. Yep. That goes to the irrationality that comes with borderline personality disorder, which for me is the absolute worst thing because I'm a very rational person and I'm, you know, to just kind of lose control over your brain. Yeah. So do you want to talk about like what you were feeling, what led up to your first suicide attempt because I don't remember. Well, like you were young. I was like 16, I think. Yeah, because I was 25. Yeah, and we weren't as close as we are now. Right. And so I didn't really know what was going on in your life at right. that time. Right, well, you were still kind of a child. Not yeah. a child, but, yeah, you know. Well, my boyfriend and I at the time were living together. We got in a fight. It was a stupid fight because he wanted to go out with his friends and I wanted him to stay home with me and spend time with me. It was the stupidest thing. So as soon as he left, I started drinking screwdrivers. Then I got depressed, really sad, wondering what he was doing, who he was doing it with. And then I decided to take some Ativans with that, a whole bottle of Ativan. I don't remember how many were in there. Now, do you know or do you remember if... Was your intent to end your life or was it more of a, not a, not making a point, but what like. Yeah, it was more of I'll show him. Right. Right. Okay. And that's, that's how, that was just my first one though. Right. The second and third time I tried to kill myself, I wanted my life over. Right. I was done. Well, and the, so the second time was also relationship related. Yes. The third time was mommy. Was related. mommy. I can totally relate to all of that Mm -hmm. because when I was, so I was diagnosed when I was 18 or 19. Right. And I don't even know how at that point, because I wasn't even in a relationship. I hadn't been in a relationship yet. I think it was just because, I mean, if you look at that list, I think I have all of the. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think I checked off all the boxes. Same. But my first serious relationship, I was 19. Mm -hmm. And I had, it was that same, like. He would go out and I would, what, what, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. And all of the, it's, it's this, for me, it's a weird situation because of all the things I was worried about him doing, he actually was doing. Oh. So I really wasn't totally being irrational. Right. right. And I was because yeah. a rational person, person would be like, okay, this relationship is not healthy for right. me. Right. Whereas... If he wasn't home when I got home, I would check the closet to see if all of his clothes were there because I thought he was not going to come back. That fear of abandonment. abandonment. So that's what it was more than more than anything else was 
I wasn't enough for him, mm-hmm. right? So self-worth issues, obviously, yeah. I had. He's going to leave and not come back. And again, if we look back, you know, 25 years later, would that have been such a terrible thing if he would have left? We didn't have a healthy relationship right. to begin with. Right. And I say that with love because we were kids. Yeah. And we did some stupid shit and we hurt each other. Yeah. But I did, you know, same, like, I'm going to show you. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to cause myself pain mm-hmm. so you can prove to me that you How care about me. How much you love me. me. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy because I would say all of the things that I could say to make him hit me. Mm-hmm. And he never would. Yeah. Like he's, he wasn't an abusive, I know a physically abusive saying. person, but it was like, I need to know that you feel something. Right. And part of the challenge with that is also he is not one to show any feelings right. anyway. Right. But like, I look back on that relationship and how painful it was. Yeah. That's the thing with, I, I think with borderline personality is that it's so much pain. It Because you go, it's extreme pain. It is. Because you go to the depths of your soul and just feel pain. It is. And I, there's no other way to explain it. I, I, I can't no. think of a way to explain it other than just, it hurts. No, I totally agree with you because I think the balanced brain, if you will, like certain things, how they would respond to certain situations, like your boyfriend or girlfriend or significant other saying, well, no, I'm going to go hang out with friends tonight. Yeah. And for us, that's like, well, you don't love me. Right. You don't want to hang out with me. You don't care about me. You're going to leave and not come back. You don't and value it's not just me. the Right. Yeah. And it's not just the thought of that. You feel, you feel all it, those that that's going to happen. Yeah. Like you, that, you feel like it's, it's already happened. It's the truth. It, right. Yeah. And it, it hurts. So for me, I haven't been in a lot of relationships since then. And what's interesting in the study that I was reading was how the rates of recidivism, if you will, for people who had long-term treatment, they had remission rates got higher as time went on. But they also noted that for many of those people, they just eliminated relationships. Oh, wow. Right? For me, like I don't get into close relationships in general. Same. Just because of, because it's not just romantic relationships. No. So it's really important to to be aware of that. Absolutely. You know, I'm the same in friendships as mm-hmm. I am in relationships. I get very possessive. Yeah. I need to know that you care about me. I'm needy. I hate it. I I hate myself when I'm in any type of relationship because that's there's just this whole other person comes out that I don't even know who it is. And but you it, don't even realize it until me. after. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then when you get into this point of serenity, I guess, or rationality and you look back and you're like, well, why? What happened? You know, yeah, like, yeah. Why would you why react was I so, that why way? Why was I so crazy over this person right. or or this situation? Yeah. And I would. I remember, like, there are even times with friends, you know, that it's like, you know, they they'd rather hang out with this person yes, than that person. Yes. And um, I was reading. I actually posted a meme about this a while, uh, not too long ago, about how people with borderline personality have a favorite person, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know that they have that favorite person, and then there's kind of these expectations yeah. around that person being there, being available, yeah. and all of the stuff. Yeah. And so it's one thing to have that. I don't know how healthy that is. It's not healthy, and it's it's not. 
fair to the other person, it's especially not. when they don't know. And I do that to you. I know you do. I know. <laughs> I know you know. You, you are my favorite person. And, and so from my perspective, it is challenging. Yes. Because it's like, I know that I'm that person for you. Uh-huh. And that's a lot of responsibility. Yes, I know. Because we all need to have our own lives. Right. And not feel like... I'm hurting you, not me specifically, right. but we're hurting you right. or you're hurting me by having other relationships right. because then it just puts this whole thing. And I don't feel that way with you because you're my sister. So I know you're not going I think anywhere. you used to because there were times, I it was a while ago. I remember something specific and I think it was when we lived in Gilbert and I was going somewhere doing something and you kind of like got really upset about it like it but it was like the possessive kind of upset like oh, I, I remember too much you know I'd rather hang out with my friends and hang out with you it, I don't it was a while ago I don't remember that um, at all yeah well who knows it could be the way I perceived it I don't know it, maybe it was well because we do also perceive things the way we perceive things right you know like someone can say one thing and we hear a total different thing and there's there there's not even a a set theory there there are multiple theories as to where it comes from or what causes it whether it's hereditary environmental or neurological Mm -hmm. or the combination of all three Mm -hmm. i was just gonna say i don't feel like that anymore with you if i ever did i don't remember feeling like that but maybe i did i guess i did but because you're my sister and i know you're not going anywhere because we've we have worked you know we have come so far in our relationship right well and the i think the other part of it is too is that and i do this too is that like i isolate from people so much that it's like, well, you're the only person that I have. Yes. So I'm bored and you're not available. Right. Kind of thing. Right. You know, it's it's just interesting. I, I'd be interested to see further studies of, you know, people who haven't eliminated relationships because with there not being any kind of treatment, like I've become, I've purposely stayed out of relationships. Same. For, for not just that reason, but I was in another relationship a few years ago. And it was, I would catch myself. Yeah. And I noticed, you know, like I would want to send these long texts. And Mm -hmm. so I would write them in my notes and then walk away Mm -hmm. and then go back and decide if I should send it. And again, this person was doing all the things that I thought he was doing. Yeah. So that makes it even harder because it's like, so now because you're a narcissist, you're making me feel like I'm crazy. And I'm really actually not being all that crazy you know, because you're doing all you're of doing the things I think you're doing. That's right. And you're manipulating me on top of it. Yes. So. Gaslighting. I feel like for me, like I've come a long way because I'm, I recognize you things. You have come a long way because when you were in that relationship, you I noticed that you were more aware of things that would come up. Yeah. I was more aware, but that pain didn't no. stop. Like it hurt. Like it was just like. Of course. I feel like the world is being ripped out of it your does. body. You're like your world as you know it is over. Yeah. And it's. And it's a dude. And, and it's not, and not even, even a, a good, good dude. dude. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly that one. Not the first one. No. I still love him. We're cool. Yeah, you're cool. But, um, the sec- but this that, one, that we're that in our 40s. One. And. Yeah, I, grow up, dude. Right. You know, you, for a lot of your ex relationships, you have remained in good graces with them like you you know pretty much remain yeah i talk to pretty much all of them yeah especially and it's kind of 
not surprising, but the the one, the last one, the Su- catalyst of your second suicide, suicide attempt. attempt, because that didn't end well. No, it didn't. And he didn't do right things either. No. Again, it's still a mutual thing. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's there's fault to be had in almost every relationship. Well, he called me a few years ago and actually apologized for the way that it ended and the way yeah. that he acted when it ended. And it wasn't, I mean, it certainly wasn't all his fault. I mean, no. I was right borderline personality disorder. So I was, you know, clingy and needy and all of that stuff. And yeah. Well, here's the thing is that it's not just clingy and needy. It's the need for validation. Yes. Right? Like it's like there's clingy people and it's just like, God, stop. Yeah. But then there's that, well, I need your love to validate who I am. Yeah. Yep. I mean, like I look at both of us and how it may have developed. Now, again, it could be genetic. And I think that there's a 50% chance if a parent has it, then a child will have it. And I wouldn't be surprised mommy, if mommy didn't have it. I think she it. did have it because of the way she reacted sometimes. Right. She would get really over the top angry over stuff that was like, like, calm down, mom. Right. But, you know, when you're outside looking in, you don't understand what is so difficult for that person to grasp. Well, right. And if you really think about it on a deeper level, the relationship with Larry, my biological father, would make complete sense yeah. because he did that whole gaslighting, narcissistic thing. Yeah. So he would do the make her feel like she's crazy and then pull her back in yep. and make her feel loved yep. and all that. But then I also look at our environment. So for you, so a big thing is fear of abandonment, right? For borderline yes. personality disorder. Yes. So for you, your biological father left. Yeah. I have abandonment issues that go way back. Right. And for me, I think a lot of it stems from, I mean, Larry being the monster. But I think specifically the fear that he put in of me losing mommy. Yeah. Because like I remember when after we moved out and mom and dad would try and go go on date night or go away, I would have a visceral reaction. I was deathly afraid yeah. and I would cry and scream and not in a normal kid way. Right. I wasn't three years old throwing no. a temper tantrum. No. I was like six right. thinking that my world was ending. Right. And I remember that feeling of fear yeah. that she was not coming back. So who knows? And neurological, you know, I mean, yeah, who knows? who's to say? And, and what's funny, not funny is that as I was doing some scientific research this morning, you know, there's the different clusters of personality disorders. Right. And borderline personality disorder falls in cluster B, which is antisocial personality disorder, uh-huh. narcissistic uh-huh. personality disorder, and another one that I can't remember right now. So I was like, hmm, now I have, now me being who I am, having to know everything, I need to go research what the different clusters yeah. mean. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hmm, that's kind of scary. That is kind of scary. But be, but like if you think about it, and, and this isn't noted anywhere, but our ability to manipulate, I believe that's a huge borderline personality yeah. trait. Yeah, yeah. The manipulation, because we figure out how what to say mm-hmm. to hurt people, mm-hmm. number one. Yeah. And how to make them, or we think we know how, like the things that I would say to my ex to make him hit me, which again, he never did. Right. And that would make me so angry. And how sick is that? No. Right? It's it's understandable, though, because you do. You want to feel anything to feel loved. I just needed to know he, feels, he felt something. Right, right. You know? And it's like, I'd almost rather you hate me. Yeah. Because then I can 
feel sorrow over that and feel pain over that. But I mean, I think we were mutually dysfunctional with each other. Oh, absolutely. I think we both needed each other in very dysfunctional absolutely. ways. Absolutely. So there's that. And 25 years later, we're friends. They're still and, friends. You know, yeah. There's still love there. You know? Oh, sure. That's just because we put up with each other through a lot of shit. You sure have. You know, I mean, and I mean, I mean, and really, even if I think about our friendship over the years, which is like a roller coaster, you know, come and gone, like, you know, we would get married and had kids and that's all great and mm-hmm. like fine. Mm-hmm. But in times where up until about two years ago, in times where we were like good friends yeah. and hanging out often and things like that. I would notice certain things about how I was feeling. Yeah. Like he'd be like, well, no, I'm going to go do this with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I'd notice those feelings spark up. Right. And be like, no, Heather, yeah. <laughs> chill out. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that's the whole thing I, I think around it. Um, and DBT is one of the main therapies that they yeah. use because it is, I mean, mindfulness. Yeah. There's a lot of people who have really been able to help their symptoms with mindfulness. Again, there's no medication, which is really shitty. Mindfulness is hard. Mindfulness is hard, but I think that it's the idea of mindfulness that's hard. We have this thought process that we have to be mindful 24 hours a day. Right. And first of all, that's not a safe that's thing like to be. Impossible. Well, you, you don't want to be. Right. Like, because when you're driving... You need to be present in the moment. Yeah. So there's, you know, a lot of misconceptions about mindfulness. And I've learned a lot, you know, as a mindfulness and meditation teacher, like Mm. I learned, like the goal is not to be mindful all the time. And if you can start, that's why I started making pour over coffee. That was a mindfulness time in the morning for me to notice that I was in the moment making my coffee. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just pressing a button. Yeah. So... To really get into it and become successful at it is knowing that it's not meant to be 24-7 and doing little things. Yeah. You know, if you're, whether you're washing the dishes, just notice that you're washing the dishes. Notice how the water feels. Instead of like wander, your mind wandering Exactly. That's the whole goal when you're brushing your teeth. That's I'm so hard I'm just brushing my teeth. And for me, the most beneficial mindful practice I have is just stopping to notice my breath. Oh. That is, I think breathing is the most important mindfulness practice. Yeah. Because if you, number one, you're noticing that you're actually breathing mm-hmm. for many of us who hold our breaths, right. our breaths, our breath all the time. Right. Um, and it just brings you into this, a totally different space. Mm-hmm. And for me, like in my anxiety, it's yeah. been life changing. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever be in a relationship again? Honestly... I don't know. I would I would like to be. I'm scared of, of going back to being a lunatic. I don't like being a lunatic. I don't like being. No, it doesn't feel good. I don't like not being in control of my emotions. Mm-hmm. And when I'm not in a relationship, I don't have to worry about that. Right. Well, what about friendships? Uh, friendships, I think I could do again because. I don't feel, I, I just, I, I feel in a different place about friendships. Well, I think, I feel like you're in a different place anyway. Yeah. And I, I really feel like the biggest thing is the awareness. Yeah. You know, and I really also think that I, I never considered this before, but, you know, I follow all these groups and things like that where, mm-hmm. you know, women or men, 
for my for my experience, what I've been seeing is from women in relationships with men is being upfront, right? And if you tell the person upfront about borderline personality disorder and what that looks like, mm-hmm. and they educate themselves. Mm-hmm. And when you're having a moment and they can say and bring you back and say, I love you very much and kind of reassure you. Now, we also have the preconceived notion that no man's ever going to do that. And I don't think that's true. I I was just going to say I've yet to find a man that's going to do that. But have you ever have you ever had that conversation? Oh, okay. Well, we've both been in the relationships with wrong men. Yeah. So Well, I've had that conversation with two guys and. They were both alcoholics, so, well, you know, they both had their own right. stuff to deal with. Yeah, um, I mean, but I think that for someone who is in relationship with someone with borderline personality disorder, whether it be a romantic relationship or not, mm-hmm. I really think it's important that we educate ourselves to understand, because there's a lot of misconceptions about borderline, mm-hmm. borderline personality disorder and that we're just moody, Yeah, um, and it has nothing to do with that. Or that we have another personality or something. Right, and sometimes... We just need some reassurance. That's Sometimes it. we just need to know I'm not going anywhere right. and I love you. I love you. And that could be enough to bring someone in an irrational state back down, back down to, to, earth. to earth and we can all go on with our lives. Yes. And I don't really think that's too much to ask for. Well, my problem too is that I've always gone for the bad boys. Yeah. You know, I, I've always gone for the guys or the, who have issues too, you know, and dealing with their issues by mm-hmm. cheating and right. stuff like that. And that can kill a person with borderline personality. Oh, disorder. God, it hurts. It hurts so bad. You know what's funny is that you and I both have tended to be drawn to alcoholics. So every – now, I haven't been in a lot of relationships, so – Well, because it's it, – you, you're drawn to what you know. And but mom, we didn't mom, have alcoholics mom in our family. was an addict. I don't know. I don't know that that's what it is. Well, it's all, we're also drawn to dysfunctional relationships. Well, totally. But why is it alcoholics? Like you mm. specifically, alcoholics. Yeah, you I've, know, I've dated I'm, a lot of alcoholics. Yeah, I've never been with anyone who had a drug problem. I've dated people with drug problems or too. anything like that. It's always been, Alcohol. and again, limited number of people. Right? Yeah. I've had three serious relationships right. in my life, and are they serious? I've had one. Serious. I still consider myself having one serious, one serious relationship in my life. Yeah. My first love. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but there's been alcohol issues there, and for me, it's funny because I don't drink. Yeah. So, and I've never, I've never been a drinker. Right, you haven't. So I just wonder, like, well, for me, yeah. Because of my social anxiety, I like to join in on the drinking because it right. loosens me up. Right. So maybe I like to be with someone who drinks. I don't know. Let me ask you a question. Sure. The people that you have dated that have had alcohol issues, were they more lovey when they were drunk? Well, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I didn't date any belligerent drunks. Right. See, mine too. Mine got extra lovey. Yeah. So I wonder if that's like some something subconscious, unconscious, something or other that it was like, you know, sober, they didn't show any emotion. Well, no, because no. I got emotion too. I got love and stuff like that when they weren't drunk. So I don't well, know. Well, not to say you didn't. Oh. But and as the borderline person who needs the extra. Yeah. I don't know. Theories. It could just be coincidence. Yeah. You know? Who knows? We've got a, a guest here in the studio today, a cat, Bodie. Mm-hmm. Breathing heavy. He was just playing with Oscar. Oh. We record in a in a wild house here um, at 
my kitchen table with three cats, a dog, and a tortoise, but he lives outside. <laughs> so And he's an hibernation. And you know what? They show you love all the all time. All the time. And there's no irrational no thoughts about no Well, question. really? Because when karma doesn't come over All right. <laughs> yes, when oh karma my God, doesn't karma's come... your favorite person. And you do get very upset when he doesn't come over. That's true. He is my favorite thing in the whole entire world. Yeah, well, and I really think it's important that people don't discount the healing properties of pets. Nope. Definitely not, because karma has been my healing cat since since you got him. Yeah. Even though I was depressed, if I had him, the few moments that he would stay on my shoulder and purr in my ear, that really just warms my soul makes me happy well they there's some scientific evidence that cats purr can help with depression oh but i mean he's he is a healer cat because first of all i'm the one who saved his ass at four weeks old and he wants nothing to do with me it's like he knows he knows who needs he does so i had a client come the other day for a crystal healing session and he is sitting outside the door meowing. He never does that. And it was that meow that he does that is like, I need help or something. <laughs> it's it's and so I I was so embarrassed. And she's a friend of mine, so it was like okay, but I was like, This is not acceptable. Yeah. So I open the door and I try and pull him out to the kitchen and I text you to come get him. Yeah. And I go back in and he's back at the door meowing. And I'm like, What the hell? Because it wasn't a, just a normal meow. Right. So she's like, just let let him in. I love cats. Just let him in. And I'm like, this is so embarrassing. Well, he comes in. She's laying on the massage table, fully clothed, of course, because crystal healing is fully clothed. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, comfy under a blanket, all the good things with crystals on her. And he comes in, gets up on the chair, smells her head. And then he jumps up and lays in between her legs with his paws reaching up to his her heart chakra. So, so he funny. was, for any of you who follow energy healing... He was from her root chakra all the way up to her heart chakra. And he was laying there and he was not going anywhere. Like it was, he had a purpose there. And I thought she felt it. Yeah. Like she knew, thankfully. Thankfully she's. Thankfully it's energy healing and we're all kind of woo And she's open to it. Right. But him, I've never seen, like I see him like that up on your shoulder. Yeah. But not necessarily with that purpose. Like I was looking right. at him from afar, right. watching him lay there. And yes, I'm woo woo. I saw that he was doing something. Yeah. So anyway, I don't doubt it. Cause he is just a very special cat. I know we're talking about cats now, but well, no, but cats very are very special. spiritual. He, well, he is. Well, and they all are and they, they all, all are. have their own. They thing. all are just something Karma's, about karma. Right. Is, and the whole way that I got karma was divine, yeah. right? Like, it was almost like I needed to bring him home for yeah. you. Oh. Because it didn't matter that he was sleeping in my bed and shitting in my bed. <laughs> he loved He me. loved you. He loves me. So, um, like, it was just the way he came about was divine. Yeah. So, point is, this is why people have emotional support animals. Yeah. Because there is a true benefit. Absolutely. And the connection you feel with them is yep. just, it's strong. It is. And like for me, because I have a whole menagerie, like they all have a different purpose yeah. for me. Yeah. You know, like I get something different from mm-hmm. each of them. Uh, even Karma, who hates me. 
I don't think he doesn't hate you. me, but he's very mean to me. He's he abusive. Is, he, he is, is mean to you. he is the epitome of my past relationships. <laughs> Let me bite the fuck out of you, and then I'll come and purr a little bit. But then I'm out of here. And don't try and pet me unless it's my nose. Like it's totally just a reflection of oh, just my past relationships. So, so of course, as per usual, we digress. Yes, I, it's so funny that I think it's going to take us three hours to talk about a topic. Like borderline personality disorder. Yeah. And in reality, it's just yeah, not that long. No. I mean, because we don't want to go into all of the details. And especially, you know, like with our abuse episodes yeah. and these episodes, we know people. Right. And we, we're not trying to share all the details of someone else's lives. No. Because, you know, we have mutual friends with people. Like, that's right. just not the right thing to do. You get the gist. We are irrational yeah. In relationships. And that's not the only thing with borderline personality disorder. No. You've you've heard the the little tick boxes that you have to check. Yeah, the the impulsivity is another oh, one. Oh yeah. Spending yep. like crazy. I sex. think that's why I was diagnosed. Yeah, cuz I had like all of the impulsive same things except for gambling and drinking yeah. cuz I never drank. I did drink and I did drugs. And mommy was an impulsive shopper. Yeah. 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 I'm telling you, she was definitely borderline. I mean, we're not doctors, but she had a lot of the... No, she totally did. So I think if you get anything out of this episode, I think it is to be aware of the people in your lives who have borderline personality disorder and be aware that there may be some things that you can say or do to make them feel better and or bring them down from the cloud of irrationality because essentially when we're not being rational we're on a different planet right and we can't find our way back it's true so um and it's it, a scary place to be too because like you don't want these people to leave you right but you're, but you're acting doing so irrational and doing everything you can to push them away yeah exactly and that's the whole it, it makes no sense it doesn't uh, well there's irrational. that book what's that book called I hate you, don't leave me. Yeah. I love you, don't leave me. I, no, I, I hate, I, yeah. I hate, I hate you, you, don't yeah. leave or something. It's so true. Yeah. And it's like, like if I looked at, tried to see me from the perspective of my partner, I'd be like, you are fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah you're a nut like, job. Why do I here. love you? Right. I don't know. Right. But because in reality, those kinds of episodes are not common. Right. Like they're not happening all the not, time. Yeah. But they're severe. They can be severe. They are. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, psychotherapy is the only way they I know. say, you know. I wish there was a medication for it. Well, I've also read um, Mindfulness. I read a book called, years and years and years ago, uh, called Borderline and the Buddha, I think. Oh, I think I borrowed that from you. And it was, and it was this woman's journey to remission, if you will, or feeling better via... You know, Buddhism, which is mindfulness and uh-huh. knowing that everything is temporary, yeah. good or bad or otherwise. I think because I've never I've never been treated for it. Yeah. Um. So I really do think just having an awareness if you can. Right. Because comorbidity rates are so high, you may not even be able to have that awareness right. that I'm being irrational. Mm hmm. Well, it's funny because I always know I'm being irrational when it's happening, but it's like I'm out of my body looking at myself doing it and I can't do anything to stop it. Hmm. It's that's just the way it is. Well, and I think that probably also, I mean, 
that probably just normal a normal part of it mm-hmm. and i think with your bipolar disorder that just makes it a million yeah. times worse yeah so and that's you know what's so interesting is that so you and i both have borderline personality disorder but it can present in different ways because we also have different comorbidities right. if you will with right. the bipolar disorder yeah um and then i have the anxiety mm-hmm. and i didn't even know until i was doing my research about the somatic thing yeah which I totally have, but not it didn't develop until two years ago. Right. So that's another thing to know, mm-hmm. right? That things change over time. Yep. And circumstances mm-hmm. and our brain chemistries can change everything. Right. And your environment. Yeah. Like just everything. Yeah. So from, from my perspective as someone who has borderline personality disorder, I and I feel like I say this on every episode – and I feel like I say it to you and you want to kill me because I say it to you so much. But journaling yeah. is everything. Yeah. And even if you're not journaling, even if you feel because we have the tendency as people with borderline personality disorder to go on these rants. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, and it's especially when the person that we need to rant to about is not with us. Right. So it often ends up in. 20 texts yeah instead of doing that type all that into your notes and walk away mm-hmm. get it out yeah get the feelings out yeah just try and pause there's power in the pause right that's true you know we we feel the need to react immediately mm-hmm. and say i'm saying you yeah. know that's just like somebody texts me good bad or otherwise i respond right away and i'm actually trying not to do that so much anymore but not everything needs a response right and sometimes not responding says everything it needs to say. That's right. Give yourself some grace if you have borderline personality disorder, because when you're in a rational state, it's really easy to beat yourself up Absolutely. for being so freaking irrational. Absolutely. Well, because you just, you don't know where it comes from. You know, I mean, no. you, you do, but you don't. But you don't. Right. It's, like, it's just like all of a sudden you're just like this totally other person that, that's, mm-hmm. that's this irrational lunatic. Right. All right. Well, we should wrap it then because... Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you all again in a couple of weeks. And remember to be kind to others and to yourself. Love our podcast? Don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at My Sister's Keeper Mental Health on Instagram and on Facebook. Also, please remember that we are not licensed mental health professionals. And if you are in crisis, please dial or text 988.